0: Do you have people that you work with, or even those that you live with, who absolutely drive you crazy sometimes? I admit that I do. They just don't think, see, feel, or do things the way that you do. Here's the bad news. Guess what? You probably do the same thing to those very people. What is this phenomena that two logical, mature people trying to accomplish a greater good in this world would see the problem and the possible solutions from almost exactly opposite directions? Well, you need to understand that for as clearly as you think you know the answer, someone else may not only see the problem, the resources, and vision it differently, they might be just as committed to their solution as much as you are to yours. This diversity can be a tremendous tool or a debilitating aspect of your team. If there was a way to get ahead of these differences, to learn more about not only how we think and process information, but also learn more about how others may do the same, we could kickstart a teamwork that in the long run would be more successful than any one person including you could ever achieve. Today on the Encouragers United podcast, I have the pleasure to introduce to you a good friend, a leadership coach, and team-building expert, Celia King. Celia is the lead consultant for Erins McSwain, a coaching group that she created to assist leaders to build better teams and achieve better congruency and joy in their work together. She utilizes the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator, It's an introspective self-reported questionnaire indicating differing psychological preferences in how people perceive the world and make decisions. The MBTI suggests that people experience the world using four principal psychological functions, sensation, intuition, feeling, and thinking, and that one of these four functions is dominant for a person most of the time. The four categories are introversion and extroversion, sensing and intuition, thinking and feeling, judging and perceiving. Each person is said to have one preferred quality from each of the categories. This produces 16 unique personality types. Celia is a delightful communicator, a warm and welcoming facilitator, and she takes us through a wonderful introduction to the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator. She even has a little advice for those ENFPs in the group like me. I hope you can gain some insight and maybe even seek out some of her resources to assist you in your life. Enjoy.
1: I think one of the things that you're talking about is often when ENFPs are under stress, because they're so good at coming up with options and possibilities, when they're under stress, their brain says, oh, we've got a problem. I'm gonna come up with one million possibilities, and I'm gonna run it till its end, and for whatever reason, we run it in the most negative possible way. (laughs)
0: Hello, encouragers. I'm so excited to be with you today, and uh, boy, I, I have a real treat. A great friend, a uh, former colleague, and uh, a sister in Christ. I really am excited to introduce to you Celia King. Celia, welcome to the program.
1: Yeah, thanks, Charlie.
0: Celia, why don't you just start briefly with a little bit about yourself. Tell us who you are, a little bit about the journey that has brought you to this point.
1: Well, right now, I am helping executives figure out what to do with their teams, sometimes what to do with their careers. I'm with Aarons McSwain Leadership Development. It's a company I started, oh, seven, eight years ago now, after you and I had been working at Malone for all those years. The idea being that uh, so much of what we were doing with college students was leadership development. And I had gotten myself in a role at Malone that I liked a lot, but it was really administrative. And I, I just didn't have the contact with students that I used to have. And this gave me a way to talk about the things I wanted to talk about in terms of helping people understand what they had to offer in their particular leadership role. Uh, that, that freed me up to do that. So that's what I've been up to.
0: Wow, that sounds very familiar, by the way. <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was you. <laughs> I just made a transition, and and uh, you know, it wasn't exclusively that, but it was was very similar. That you know, I started there, you know, as an instructor, and. I know you've spent time in the classroom and we both got our start that way, but yeah, the administrative side of that and just the kind of the, from my perspective in athletics, the business side of it too was, was really, it was great. It was, it was very challenging and it it wasn't quite the right fit for me. And I, I, The sad thing is that I knew that real early on, and I just sort of put my head down and plowed through it for, you know, about 11 years. And so (laughs) when the the opportunity finally kind of came to step back away from that, that's what I did. But anyway, how about a little bit more personally? I, I sensed a little Southern accent. Where are you from? Tell us about you.
1: Uh, born and raised in South Carolina, ended up here in Canton, Ohio with with that job at Malone. So I started working in higher ed. One of the things that I spend a lot of time thinking about in my work is how do you take all these big ideas that people study about and write books about and make it so that it's tangible for people to actually put into action and put into place. And that, in fact, that's where name of my company comes from, back all the way to those roots. I was named after grandmothers, also from South Carolina, who, of course, never went to college, but were really intelligent and capable people. So for me, always the question is, these ideas that you're studying and thinking about do they have legs? I mean, does it does it really work when you're working with people and with your team?
0: Absolutely, yeah. And then let me, you know, I, I will surprise you with this, but I love just some of the value statements that you have on your website, errantsmcswain.com. Uh, every person has intrinsic value and should be treated that way. Problems within a team can be solved. Uh, strong leaders take responsibility for their inner life and the leader's responsibility is to set up each member of their team for success. What a wonderful set of values that you have. One of those kind of big conceptual things uh, that you know, you're talking about and bringing down into some bite size or more manageable, applicable, practical you know, ways is the Myers-Briggs type uh, index. MBTI. i I've mentioned it on the podcast a couple times to my listeners. And um, really what prompted me to to reach out to you and want to talk about this is is everyone's interest in that. And it kind of leads back into the third point of your value statement in that strong leaders take responsibility for their inner life, uh, in essence, to get to know yourself well enough. And the Myers-Briggs assessment uh, index has been really, really helpful for me, for Wendy, for those of us that, you know, have been exposed to it. So you and I happen to live about 200 meters from each other, uh, <laughs> but we are doing this actually through Zoom. And uh, so, but it's great to be your neighbor. And so I just really appreciate you stepping in here and, and helping us as, you know, encouragers, as positive, you know, upbeat, uh, you know, leaders to, really take a great assessment and like I said, bring it down into some manageable chunks. And so um, many of our listeners probably know about it or that they know of this assessment, but put it into your words as you introduce it to someone, what is the Myers-Briggs uh, type index and, and maybe even a little bit about you know, this, these four areas, these four you know, continuums or contrasts that you know, it, it consists of.
1: Well, I'll give you a little history on it, which you might find interesting. Myers and Briggs are a mother-daughter team who somewhere in the 1940s discovered Carl Jung's a theory that he called psychological type. And in his theory, he said, we all have these eight things that our brain does, four ways we take in information, four ways we evaluate that information or come to conclusion. And they just thought, wow, if people really understood this and how they most naturally use each of these eight processes. What a game changer. So they were thinking in the 1940s about (laughs) really big thoughts like world peace. They were thinking about women headed into the workforce and trying to find uh, work that that matched their most natural giftedness. And in fact, the first book they wrote was titled Gifts Differing. That's old uh, King James language that is quoting uh, Romans chapter 12. So uh, from the very beginning, they were trying to help people figure out how is it that you're most naturally wired and then how do you work in a way that you can use those strengths? And then to borrow uh, Carl Jung's thought, he said, if you've developed all of these things equally, you have developed nothing. What you've got to figure out is what's most natural to you Mm. and then have the wisdom to know when to use the least natural processes. And so they have this inventory. They wrote the inventory, took them decades to get it sorted out. They released it in the 1960s. It's been the most used inventory of, of its kind since then. About a million a year are given and worked through. Wow. Um, So if you take it, you end up being given a, a, at the end of it, a four letter type code. And so there's 16 possibilities. And that four letter type code literally tells you something about how you use each of those eight processes. Um, A lot of people will think about it uh, because of how the, the type code works. Um, in the four letters, the the first pair is your either E or I. Second is either S or N, T or F, J or P, all the way through. Um, and some people will think about the Myers-Briggs as I am either this letter or that letter. But really, when you go back to their original thought, it's so much richer than that. Yeah. Because the letter doesn't say you're this letter, not that one. The letter says, oh, this is how you most naturally use each of these processes. So, I wondered if maybe we could um, talk through. You'd said you were ENFP. Maybe we can talk through that one a little bit.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think the, the, the first one, I appreciate you pointing it out that you're not either or, because I think that's what sometimes folks get hung up on, right? They don't want to be either or, and for good reason, because they see themselves in different situations. You know, like for instance, I we'll go back to, to, to me, I, I'm certainly extroverted. But I'm not, I'm, I'm a particular type of extrovert in that, um, like I, I heard it once said that um, even during this time of COVID and quarantine, and, you know, would you rather be, you know, seven days without any people interaction or seven days with n- no interaction by yourself? You know, what, what, which is the worst of those things for, for us? And, to be honest, I, I'm, I'm fine being by myself. I, I think the extrovertism in me is, is that I love to be up front. like I would lead and, you know, you know, certainly, you know, of my music ability and leading worship and being upfront and giving a speech or teaching a class. Um, but I'm not really an extrovert that has a ton of friends, you know, like, like, I have more acquaintances that are, you know, out there. So I I really see this as a, as a sliding scale in certain situations. And so why don't we start with your explanation of the, of the extrovert versus introvert kind of, kind of process. What, what, what yeah. would be the, the way you would explain that to a group?
1: Yeah, that's really a good question because um, right now people are doing a lot of talking about extroversion, introversion. In fact, some people will be familiar with Susan Kane's book and she has a great Ted talk on this too. And it's called quiet and then there's some really interesting subtitle that I can't come up with off the top of my head, something about the power of introverts. And so we, we all of us want to make sense of organizing. So we're trying to figure out which categories we are. Um, even though the Myers-Briggs uses the words extrovert and introvert, it's not the best tool for sorting that out. Um, what the Myers-Briggs means when we talk about extroversion and introversion is where our attention is focused. So I told you Mm. that it tells you something about eight processes. Yes. Half of the processes are extroverted. And when we talk about it in this context, what we mean is half of those processes have their attention focused outside of ourselves. Half of those processes have our attention focused inside ourselves. Mm. So every single person has four extroverted processes and four introverted processes and that's where we we feel that push pull in us. Like, well, sometimes I'm focused externally, sometimes I'm focused internally. If you have an E in your type code, chances are you're going to be more energized by an external process. Yep. And if yep. you have an I in your type code, more energized by that internal process. But you have and you use both, and you should. Yeah,
0: sure, yeah. no doubt. And and so that's the that's the first set of letters. Let's talk about this now The the S, the sensing versus more intuitive. Go through that same analysis there with those two.
1: Sure. Um, What those processes are looking at is how it is that you most naturally take in information. If you have an S in your type code, you're probably really natural at noticing concrete things. Some people will notice concrete things externally, like using those five senses. They are aware of a sound out the window or what the temperature is in the room. Some people are more comfortable taking those concrete details internally. So they are very good at remembering details and pulling from the past to make sense of things. Mm -hmm. So if you have an S in your type code, you're probably leaning on that concrete side. Mm -hmm. If you have an N in your type code, you probably are taking in information much more abstractly, much more conceptually. Some people are doing that externally. So for example, ENFPs are probably taking in information in a way that their mind works almost like a spider web. People with that type code tell me they feel like they're, they have one thought and then have five, six, seven thoughts. Feels like all at the same time. The other way that we use that um, intuitive way of thinking is more internally. So sometimes people will take in a concept, an abstract thought, and want to have some real rich overarching theoretical construct to make sense of it in. But Intuitive processes tend to be more abstract and conceptual.
0: Right. That's very good. That's really helpful. Um, Now, the third category uh, or the the third pair here is more of a thinking versus a feeling. Explain that category now for us, too. And how is it different from the sensing and, and intuitive kind of thing?
1: Yeah, when you get to that third pairing, the T or the F, you're looking at the most natural way you have for evaluating information or coming to conclusion. And I want to be very clear about the words thinking and feeling. Sometimes you associate thinking with intelligence and feeling with emotion. Hmm. Myers-Briggs cannot tell you anything about your intelligence. Thinking means that you're more natural with and prefer using logic. We all have all use logic. Feeling is more about harmony. Um, I should also tell you that your, your ability to work with emotions and be an emotional person is true for all 16 type codes. Mm. Emotions is a a human experience, not a Myers-Briggs experience. Yes, yes. Your type code probably tells you something about how you communicate your emotion, but it can't tell you if you're emotionally stable or sometimes people want to use the phrase more or less emotional. You are emotional. That's just human experience. Yeah. So here's what that means. If you're using, if you have a T in your type code, you will more likely want to make and be more natural with making decisions based on logic. Sometimes that's an external logic. Like you want to say, well, what's the rules, the policy, the procedure, somebody come up with some sort of um, structure that we can pull from. Or you may be wanting to use your own internal logic. Maybe you want to make sense of it on your own. Like, okay, well, I see the rules, but here's what... Um, I think would be best based on that. And then if you're more natural using the feeling processes, if you have an F in your type code, you're paying attention to harmony. Sometimes that's external harmony, so making a decision based on how it will affect other people. Sometimes it's internal harmony, trying to make decisions based on your core values and what what feels right for the particular situation. Mm -hmm. And of course, we all have and we use all of these processes to make decisions. But your type code can tell you which one of those is most natural to you. Yeah.
0: yeah. And then, well, then finally, uh, we get to the last pair, which is more of a a J, judging, or or P, perceiving. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Uh, Tell us about that.
1: Um, Just like thinking and feeling, I wish we had a different word than judging. Sometimes that makes people want to – that's not what it means. It's not like, ah, don't judge me. It's more like – Using judgment. We all want to use sound judgment and wise judgment. But people with the J in their type code tend to want to be working towards a thing. They want to know what the outcome is. Now whether that is making a decision based on um, structure and rules or whether it's based on an absolute certainty that there will be group harmony as we move along they tend to, to think and work in a conclusion sort of way. Yes. People with a P in their type code tend to be uh, more interacting with the world based on taking in information. Like, well, let's see what else we can find out, and the process is usually more interesting than conclusion. I love to, when I'm with groups, divide them up based on somebody who, like, oh, I think I'm more natural with the J process, I think I'm more natural with the P, and then ask them to talk about goals. What are goals for? Typically, people with a J in their type code will say things, well, goals tell you whether or not you did what you were going to. And a lot of times, P's, uh, with people with a P in their type code will say, well, goals are great because it gives you something to shoot for. Well, how is it important to reach it? Well, typically, people with a J in their type code, well, that's everything. <laughs> typically, yes. people with a P in their type code, ah, let you know where you're headed.
0: <laughs> that's right, yeah. Well, um, so – what I'm intrigued with is, I think, as I'm learning more about this and studying it, is is the interaction of um, and what I've heard some other practitioners kind of talk about is if you start looking at a couple combinations. And so, one that stood out to me would would be um, sort of like the go back to the the S and the N, the intuitive, the N with a with a T, with a more thinking. Kind of that, that, and that's not not what I am. So I don't know that exactly. But I, I'm thinking there's some. I it appears like there's conflict there. Like you would want to be intuitive in one sense, but you're still thinking logically. And so, tell us about that dynamic. Maybe not that one specifically, but just the because there's a there's a chemistry here when you start mixing those letters together, um, sure. and they may they may affect each other, right? I mean, obviously.
1: Yeah, that that is right. Um, If we had a chance and we were visually, I would chart it all out and show you how the theory works so that your type code is built in a really balancing way. Mm. So your type code can tell you something about the number one way you have for taking in information, number one way you have for evaluating that information. And then we can look at the lifespan of how that develops for each particular type code and you tend to develop that mm-hmm. in a balanced way. So, when you talk about somebody who is more intuitive and thinking in an abstract thought, but connecting it with logic, you'll find a lot of people who end up in, um, many times, professorial roles. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm trying to help you use logic to understand a bigger picture.
0: Yep.
1: Or maybe they tend to be um, like in a lot of research and development, oh, I have all of these ideas, these intuitive abstract concepts, Oh, and if I think it through, this is what it would make sense to do to solve this problem. Yeah. So that would be how it partner together.
0: That's awesome. Uh, very, very diverse, and and it's it's so cool because of the you know just not only in my own you know my own experience, but um, just the experience with other people. You know, and and so explain to us how you work with a team you'll come into a group, you know, they're, they're probably a business or they're, you know, or they're, um, you know, they're working together in some capacity and you are introducing to us tell us some of the wonderful, fun things that start to happen when people start to grasp that, you know, there, there are other normals, like there's lots of normals here, you know, like that was very powerful for me, you know, but what, what it, tell us some of your experiences or, or what your strategy is looking for when you get back to a group that is now finally starting to figure some of this out Uh,
1: my favorite thing is when people start pointing and laughing Um, that's when you know you've hit it and this is what happens universally every time because they've already recognized the differences they don't need a consultant to come in and tell them they're different they know that but once they've got a shared language for it that's the game changer so things like this regularly happen. I had a client who said, look, I've got this administrative assistant, and I'm just ready to fire her. I'm like, oh, well, mm-hmm. tell me more about that. Um, and she said, every time I give her a project, she gets started on it. And then all of a sudden, she stops the whole thing and sends me an email that I've got to respond to. And I said, well, tell me, tell me what the quality of her work is like before you get the email. She says, excellent. This is exactly what we want. And now she's stalling up the whole thing. Well, because she was my client, I knew that she was much more of a big picture abstract thinker. And I knew that she was giving this employee um, assignments by saying, here's the big picture of what we want. And in her mind, she was offering the support and the freedom to say, I trust you, go ahead and finish the job. But this employee was a real concrete thinker who thought Mm -hmm. in bullet point Mm -hmm. steps, boom, 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 boom. She said, these are the tasks I've accomplished. Now I want to check in, make sure I'm fulfilling my role before I move on to the next one. So as we unpacked what to do, this client says to me, you mean to tell me I almost fired an excellent employee? <laughs> but yeah, looks like it. She goes, I could spend 40 seconds replying to an email and that's all she needs from me. Yeah, looks like it.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so wow. when
1: you cross problems that people are having that are personal, for them to be able to get to a quick solution is wonderful.
0: Yeah. I. I- I have to tell a quick story in in this because I sense that I was you know I was probably that executive going oh my gosh well, what are we going to do um, at an institution that you and I once were employed by I uh, and I'll be as vague as I can be but I I was really frustrated with a process you know I, like you have to fill out this form or you have to <laughs> go through this you know process and and I was trying to get my people to do that process even though I didn't really believe in the process and that was really it became problematic because they were like well the boss doesn't believe in the product I'm not gonna I'm not gonna jump through that hoop if he doesn't believe in it and I had one of the employees who it was very different from me he kind of pulled me aside and said why are we agonizing over this like well because it's a stupid process and I don't understand it and we have to fill this form out or we got to do this he's like why don't why don't you just fill out the form? (laughs) I mean, he just stopped me in my tracks. I was like, because see, that form represented something concrete, something very logical that was very vital to another office on campus that like was filled with people who were very procedural. Right. And I'm not procedural at all. I'm like, I'm, you know, free bird. I just want to go and, and uh, you know, hang out in the clouds and he just stopped me and he said why don't you just fill out the form like why are you agonizing over the the theoretical you know basis for why we have to do that just do it just do just fill out the form and and so it was really educational it was just this great concept that I'll never forget and saying you know that that process is very important to that office and it's not important to me. I could care less about the process, but why not just give them their process? And so, you know what I did? I stopped, I confessed, I took responsibility for setting a culture of, of offense, you know, to to basically on a monthly basis, you know, offend these people and drive them crazy because we wouldn't do what they needed us to do. And I just said, from now on, I'm going to be the first one to turn in my form. Like it was It was the, uh, the old... Uh, funny disney pixar movie with you gotta turn in your paperwork you know monsters inc remember that guy <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah you know, that's you gotta, right you
0: gotta turn in your paperwork and he was like ah i don't want to do that you know so i'm i'm you know mike grabowski or whatever his name is but like i just i it clicked for me to say that that's the that's the way they think the organization needs me to do this and so all i have to do is fill out the form it takes 60 seconds, you know, just fill out the form. So that's an example, I think, of of me realizing at some point in my career that, oh, wow, you know, not everybody thinks the same way I do. And I'm not to be personally, in, you know, like offended. I'll get back to some of my typing. When there's disharmony, because when, when, that's, that's another aspect for me, that maybe, you know, you, you could help me with, but I, I'm like, if, if people are mad at me or if somebody's, you know, that, that's why I was in such angst over this because they were really offended that I didn't fill out the form and I'm going, come on, what's the big deal? Why are you so angry? Because it bothered me that you were angry. That's that, you know, the F in me, the harmony, the, the feeling sort of side of me wanting everybody to get along and wanting everybody to, you know, but it, 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 it was really powerful for me to to understand that. So. Yeah. Um, you know a good amount of our audience, even listening right now, are probably you know extroverted uh, perhaps a little bit intuitive or dreamers this e n f p that you've mentioned i I told you that, and tell us about um maybe Take us through just some pitfalls. I think you you mention it on your website as the dark side of your personality, kind of the the blind spots that this particular type. Because I sense I've got a lot of colleagues and a lot of friends here who at least understand us. Um, and if you're listening and you live with an ENFP or you're you are an ENFP, that you know this might be helpful for you. But what's the dark side?
1: Well, Carl Jung would say that, he would say shadow, um, so okay. it is dark. So think about it as moving around your house in the dark at night. The the processes that are in your shadow side, you can use them, just like you can walk around your house in the dark, but they're, you know, you're a little slower, a little more awkward. There's different emotions associated with them. You might bang your shin on them a little bit more than you might uh, some of the others. Um, so you, you mentioned the group harmony. Um, a lot, for a lot of ENFPs, that. That mental process where we want to make decisions based on how it's affecting other people, uh, they tend to experience that in a really critical way. Every type code has a process they experience in a critical way. So I'm not picking on ENFPs by using the word critical. What what I want to talk about is the kind of critique that typically comes from an ENFP has to do with that group harmony piece. critical often of um, organizations or of processes like, oh, come on, didn't you think of other people with that? But then the really critical voice tends to be the one inside their own mind because ENFPs tend to be so rooted in that core values piece and that ability and that commitment and that interest in talking about core values and the things that matter most in the world. Um, when they get caught in that moment, Sometimes they can step on somebody else without realizing it or or maybe say a thing that didn't help with the group harmony. And that's when that critical voice shows up in their own head so strong. So if you have ever heard that voice in your head go, oh, come on, Charlie, did you really say that? What were you thinking? Which is kind of the story you just told. Mm -hmm. There's a good chance that that's your type code speaking out of that process. And once you can realize that's what's happening, then it gives you a place to, to put that level of emotion that you can take some off the critique in your own mind. Mm. Um, sometimes even take some of the shame out of it. A lot yes. of times the, those deep shame experiences we're having are because of however we've translated the experience in our mind. Mm. And so once you can figure out what's happening, then you can step back from it, release some of the emotion associated with it and then just go oh okay this is what i'll do to to move forward and to move, move
0: along yeah i think along that same line kind of a cousin phrase if i could coin that phrase but like i've i've learned uh that it's probably never as bad as i think it is i think that's <laughs> part of of the enfp part of me and i've learned that's a, a wonderful skill but i i think talk to me about how that is so therapeutic for me like i i don't know if that i put you on the spot here but like I remember back to my times of extreme stress and it just like the world was about to fall apart. And, and I would go, you know, it's probably not as bad as I think it is. What, what is that? What is that dynamic to you?
1: First of all, I would say, I don't think that's specific to ENFPs, that um, that would be universal yeah. that for all of us, when we're under stress, something gets really escalated And then some other process comes to try to balance it out and we get wonky. There's a great book about this called Was That Really Me? Hmm. Uh, It's written by a woman named Naomi Kink, Q-U-E-N-K. But it, it, it speaks to that really well. I think one of the things that you're talking about is often when ENFPs are under stress, because they're so good at coming up with options and possibilities, When they're under stress their brain says oh we've got a problem i'm going to come up with one million possibilities and i'm going to run it till its end for whatever reason we run it in the most negative possible way (laughs) i'll tell you the result i'm going to have to sell my house and i'll have to move away from all the people that i love okay well that was the good possibility creation that you're good at run amok so how do we bring it into balance and use it for the good
0: Awesome. Hey, that was worth the price of admission right there. Thank you for that. (laughs) That was awesome. Hey, um, you know, as we close things up here, this is only just a touch, just a taste of this, uh, you know, this tool and what a wonderful assessment, you know, and tool that it could be with your groups. Um, and for us as individuals, but, um, why don't you direct us to some resources that you use or that you are familiar with? And, you know, where can we learn more? What, what's the best way to do that?
1: Sure. Um, <clears throat> I'll point you to some of the resources we've developed first, because if you're, if you're local to Northeast Ohio, it's easy access. It really helps to have uh, somebody coaching you on this material, because if you take an online inventory, some of them are very good. Um, for example, I think Charlie and I have talked about 16 personality yep, yep. types. Um, All of that's very good, but when you take an inventory without somebody to walk you through the results and to verify it, uh, you run into things like developmentally in your lifespan. If you took the inventory, you might be registering on the inventory a process you're developing, not the one you're most natural with, but the one you're aware of. Somebody can help you with that. Also, when we're under stress, we tend to show up with different results on the Myers-Briggs because when you're stressed you use different processes. And again, the thing that you're aware of is what you answer on an inventory and <laughs> yeah. not what you're most natural. Yeah,
0: I've definitely experienced that. So, um, yeah. yeah. And tell us again, just finally here, where can we reach you? If, if uh, a listener has an opportunity, they'd love to bring you into a situation, uh, you know, with a group or something, tell us how to get in touch.
1: Um, Aaronsmcswain.com, A-R-R-A-N-T-S, and then McSwain, M-C-S-W-A-I-N. We do team building workshops, half day, full day. We've also got an online course uh, so that you can sample the material, uh, see what you think, work on it privately, and you can find that on our website under online courses. And in the online course, you also get uh, a free coaching session. So it's not just take the course. You and I will meet and talk through your
0: results. Awesome. That's wonderful. One last little snippet. I want to give a really a great plug for a distinctive that you are currently offering. You are doing equine uh, interaction. And tell us a little bit briefly before we let you go, how how are you integrating working with animals and horses with clients and and the overview of, of that service?
1: We're teaching congruent leadership with horses, because Mm. for all the things I can teach you, very logical information about Myers-Briggs, everybody knows the congruent leaders walk in a room, and everything feels better, Mm. but those are invisible, intuitive skills, and I can teach those with horses, Um, and and that's what we do. We take you to the barn, show you how to communicate with 1,000 pounds, and it's all intuitive.
0: You can find that out. I it, it reminds me, I've never done it, but it reminds me or, or makes me think of almost like a, the horse whisperer concepts mm-hmm. in in working and learning to work with people as well.
1: That's right. We do a morning with the horses. So if you want to try that out, you come out in a cohort of three, you spend a couple hours with the horses, we give you an experience of those intuitive skills, and then we follow that up a week later with a coaching session so that you can make sense of what you learned.
0: Mm. See you. Thank you again so much. It's great to live in the neighborhood with you, and we need to get together more often. But thank you again so much on behalf of all of us listening. uh, Just the 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 uh, introduction to the Myers Briggs and uh, to your services. What a what a great thing. Thank you. Thank you,
1: Charlie. You're a good neighbor. It's good to see you.
0: Thanks. Thanks for listening. The Encouragers United podcast is only a part of the ministry I'm developing with high-energy, positive-minded encouragers like you. We have several other resources for you. I would love for you to join our Facebook group, Encouragers United, for discussion, idea-sharing, and testimonies. I also host a Facebook Live each week It's called Tuesday Tea with Charlie G. We spend just 15 minutes together over a cup of tea or coffee. I'll share some laughs, thoughts to hopefully inspire you, and perhaps some teaching and resources you can use to make your life better. I also host a web blog with helpful written information, resource links, and an occasional video. Feel free to check that out at charlesrgrimes.com. Please subscribe, like, and share my work with those that you feel could benefit. I want you to grow and mature in your encouragement gifts. Join the community. We're in this thing together.